Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to worship. Welcome to Schweitzer today. We're so glad you're here. Wherever you're at, we're really appreciative of you viewing with us today. I'm Jim, and I serve as a pastor here, the host for this experience. Again, thanks. Today, we're going to continue in our series, As It Is in Heaven. Pastor Spencer will lead us through the Gospel of Matthew. We will explore how Jesus teaches us to pray, to go deeper with God and others. Also, we've created a new way for you to go deeper. If you're enjoying these experiences, to go deeper into sermons, there's sermon questions and so much more at sumc.co slash next. Go deeper, uh, go deeper with God in your, in your faith life and your prayer life. Uh, check it out. We would love for you to do that. And now let's see uh, what Stephanie has for us. See how we can connect here at Schweitzer. Hi, I'm Stephanie. Easter is just three weeks away and we have so much happening here at Schweitzer. Beginning on Thursday, April 1st through Saturday, April 3rd, we're hosting a very special Stations of the Cross event here on campus, but it can also be viewed online. During this really special experience, you'll walk through nine Stations of the Cross describing Jesus' last hours. We encourage you to participate as a small group or a family. Then on Sunday, April 4th, we'll celebrate with a big service out in the middle of the Schweitzer parking lot under a tent. There'll be a service at 9 a.m. with traditional worship and one at 11 a.m. with modern worship. Then in between services at 10:15 a.m., Schweitzer Kids is hosting an extravaganza for kids up to age 12. We'll be rolling out 5,000 eggs at nearby Pittman Elementary. It'll be a great time. Find out more at sumc.co slash Easter. This is the perfect time for you to invite someone to join you at church in person or online. And to make inviting even easier, we've put together special Take 10 Packs with 10 invitations and some jelly beans. And we're challenging you to pick up a pack and hand these invitations out to friends, coworkers, family members, neighbors before Easter Sunday. Thank you for helping us to spread the message of Easter with our community. Thanks, Stephanie. We appreciate your ministry so much. We invite you to engage today. There's a chat feature on your screen. So go ahead and say hi to your friends. Also, if you'd like to receive prayer, there's a prayer button. We'd love to pray with you. And now let's worship God together. Let's enjoy each other. Let's worship. KJ will lead us. Your promises are yesterday. 
Now, as we come to this time of prayer together, we thank God for the gift of prayer. Prayer changes us, it changes the world. It's crucial to our relationship with God and each other. And in this season of Lent, a time of reflection and repentance when we turn back to God, a time of confession and self-examination, this morning we're going to pray together a prayer of confession. And so first, I invite you just to hear this prayer. Listen, soak it in, these words. Hear this prayer of confession. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in all your ways. In the glory of your name, amen. And now let's unite our voices together. Let's say this prayer together. The words will be on your screen. Let's pray in confession. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Holy God, thank you for your faithfulness and forgiveness. Amen. This Sunday, marks the one-year anniversary of worshiping with you online. The creativity has been incredible, how God has made a new way for us to worship together, to reach new people, your faithfulness, your viewing, wherever you're at, at home, on the road, wherever, we're really grateful. But again, we've reached so many new people. Thank you, God. Thank you, everyone that's viewed over the last year. Thank you. It's been a hard year. It's been a challenging year. But again, God has made a way. And now let's look to the future as with our worshiping together online. But first, let's look back and be encouraged. 1 Thessalonians 4, therefore, encourage one another with these words. Friends, our world right now, it needs some leaders who understand the power of our words. Will you be the kind of person who chooses to use your words to build up and not tear down.
Thanks, creative team. Thank you for your generosity and support of ministries here at Schweitzer and especially online worship. We're looking forward. We're excited about the future. We can continue to give each week by going to sumc.co slash give. Again, thanks for your generosity. And now David's going to lead us in worship. Savior is Jesus, my Lord, a wonderful Savior to me. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock, where rivers of pleasure I see. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock, that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of his love, and covers me there with his hand, and covers me there with his hand. How wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord, he taketh my burden away, away. He holdeth me up, and I shall not be moved, he giveth me strength as my day. Oh, he hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand, and covers me there with his hand. With numberless blessings each moment he crowns and filled with his fullness divine, I sing in my rapture, O glory to God, for such a Redeemer as mine. Oh, He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of His love and covers me there with His hand, and covers me there with His hand. When clothed in his brightness transported, I rise to meet him in clouds on the sky. The sky, his perfect salvation, his wonderful love, I'll shout with the millions on high. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand, and covers me there with his hand. Well, friends, welcome today. My name is Spencer. Today's going to be part four of our series called As It Is in Heaven. We're spending six weeks looking at the Lord's Prayer and, and learning from about, about how to pray, because that's really the point of the Lord's Prayer, is to teach us how to pray. That's something we all have to learn how to do. It's not something that comes naturally to us. We need to learn how to do it. And Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer to teach us how to pray. And so we're looking through this each week, lifting up just phrase after phrase of the Lord's Prayer, one phrase at a time each week, and just asking this basic question, what does this teach us about how to pray? So the Lord's Prayer is found in Matthew chapter 6. We're reading the same verses every single week, just lifting up those phrases as we go through here. And this teaching on the Lord's Prayer, it, it comes as part of a larger teaching, a larger section that Jesus has on prayer. So we're going to read the whole section each week, which includes the verses of the Lord's Prayer. So here's how this goes. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5. Jesus says, And when you pray, do not... 
be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. And here comes the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then Jesus wraps up the section of prayer with these words. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And so this week, as we get here, we're gonna be on verse 12, the fourth week of the series, verse 12, where Jesus teaches us to pray like this, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Now, of course, in our church, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, that's not how we say this line. We say this line like this, um, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And of course, debts and trespasses, I mean, it's the same idea, really. There, there's ways that we've sinned. And whether you've trespassed, where, that's, you know, where you've gone where you shouldn't have, or you've got debt, that, that's what you owe, you are in need of, of, of forgiveness. And so this is what we're going to be reading through here today, is this, this idea of, of, of forgiveness. Now, as you read through here, of course, there, there are two assumptions that Jesus is making with this line in the Lord's Prayer about forgiveness. Two assumptions that I know they're very obvious, but sometimes I think the obvious assumptions need to be stated just to be clear so that everyone's on the same page. And so two assumptions that I see Jesus making as he, as he teaches us to pray this line, forgive us our debts. Um, and the first assumption is this. Um, you and I, every single day, need to receive forgiveness. We need forgiveness. You need to see, receive forgiveness from the Lord. I need to receive forgiveness from the Lord. We all need to receive forgiveness from the Lord because we've all sinned. This is a basic truth of Scripture that you and I have all sinned. Romans 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is a universal truth of humanity that we've all sinned. And there will be people who feel uncomfortable with this and push back on this. And, and they don't like this idea that, that all of humanity has sinned and, and, and stands in need of God's forgiveness. And certainly there are churches and preachers who will push back on this and, and they, won't, they won't talk about this because it makes people feel uncomfortable or, or, or they don't like this idea that, that we all stand in need of forgiveness. But this is the truth. All of humanity stands in need of, of forgiveness. Theologians talk about this idea of original sin, that all of us, no matter who you are, we all have sinned. And this is why we all need forgiveness. This is what God does in our life as he brings forgiveness. This is what salvation is, is that God offers his gift of forgiveness to us as sinful people. So there might be people who feel uncomfortable with the idea of sin, but the truth is you can't talk about love's great, God's love and God's mercy without talking about our need for God's love and his mercy, which is our, our, our sin. We have fallen short of God. We have fallen short of what he wants for us. And therefore we stand in need of his forgiveness. The, the kind of the original literal meaning of the word sin is that we've missed the mark. And you know what that feels like. I know what that feels like. We all know what that feels like because we've all missed the mark. And this is something we do on a regular basis. We miss the mark and therefore we stand in need of God's forgiveness. This is the first assumption Jesus makes that you need to receive God's forgiveness. The second assumption Jesus makes is that you need to give forgiveness to others. You need to receive God's forgiveness and you need to give forgiveness to others. 
Because just as you have missed the mark against the Lord, there are those who have missed the mark against you. There are those who have trespassed against you. People who have hurt you, people who have, who have offended you, people who have, have judged you and gossiped about you, people who have, have caused harm to you. And this happens so much more often than we think it does. There are some of us who have um, trespasses against us that are large and they have been with us for decades as we, as we have, as we have held on to them. And there are others of us who just have like a million small things that happen over time and that, that we, we need to forgive other people for small things, big things. There's all kinds of ways that people miss the mark against us. They trespass against us that we stand in need of God's forgiveness and we stand in need to give forgiveness for others. And just in case you, you, you're wondering, did Jesus really mean to say that I have to forgive other people? I mean, listen to how he ends this section on prayer. It's like Jesus gives this line and then he comes back around just to remind you to make this point really, really clear because this is how he ends the section on prayer. He says, verse 14, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Jesus is very, very, very clear. These two assumptions are right. You stand in need of God's forgiveness and you stand in need of forgiving others. Now, forgiveness, of course, is something that Jesus talked about a lot. And to be a follower of Jesus is to practice forgiveness because this is the way of Jesus. And so I think about some of the things that Jesus said about forgiveness. I think, for instance, about, about Matthew chapter 18, where Jesus has this really clear, direct, almost even blunt teaching about forgiveness and how, and how these two assumptions are tied together. And so here's what Jesus teaches in Matthew 18. He has this section where he starts it off. And he's going to talk about conflict, which is where the need for forgiveness often comes from. You got conflict with people, you get sideways with people and, and things got a hand and then, and then you need to forgive them. And so he starts off talking about conflict and here's how Jesus teaches that we're supposed to handle conflict. Matthew 18, verse 15, he says, if your brother or sister sins, and a lot of translations will say it like this, if your brother or sister sins against you, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. So Jesus teaches us when there's conflict, here's what you do. You go talk to the person. Go deal with it. Handle it. Address it. Don't pretend it didn't happen. Don't sweep it under the rug. Don't pretend it didn't hurt. Don't pretend it's not there. Go and address it, which is what most of us won't do. Because most of us, what we do when there's conflict is we don't go talk to the person. No, 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 no. That's way too risky. No, we go talk about the person. We go, we go, we go tell other people about what that person did, and, and then we complain about it. And what we, we call that venting. But, but you know what that accomplishes? Going to talking about that person, talking to them? Here's, here's what it accomplishes. Nothing. It doesn't move anything forward. And, and sometimes we, we feel so uncomfortable, like, oh my gosh, I gotta go talk to, this is what Jesus tells me, I gotta go talk to somebody who there's conflict with, and we don't wanna do that. And we think to ourselves, sometimes Christians, we hide behind this idea of like, well, that's not what nice people do. Nice people don't, don't go address this stuff. That's like what aggressive people do. And, and so sometimes Christians, we don't wanna do that kind of thing because we, we hide behind the veneer of being nice. But, but what Jesus tells us to do is the loving thing, which is to deal with conflict. Don't pretend it didn't happen. Don't pretend it didn't hurt. Don't pretend it doesn't exist. Go talk to the person. Deal with the conflict. And if that makes you uncomfortable, you're in good company. I look at this, this story. Peter, 
Peter feels uncomfortable as he's going through this. In fact, Jesus, he's going to go on in this idea of, of dealing with the conflict for a few more verses. And then, and then Peter comes back and he kind of like circles back around with a question about this. And he's going to bring up the idea of forgiveness because as Jesus is talking about, about this conflict, you can, you can see in the pages like Peter's wheels are turning as he's thinking about what this means. And so Peter, he asks a follow-up question. Here's what he says, verse 21. So Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, all right, you're talking about conflict. So in the midst of conflict, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Which is pretty generous, really. Seven times. Seven times. You can hurt me, say bad things about me. You can treat me poorly. Do I need to forgive you seven times? Is that, is that how many times? I mean, I think about how a lot of times we'll say things like, you know, three strikes, you're out. And Peter's offering seven times. It's very generous. But listen to what Jesus says. Verse 22. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. In other words, Peter, you got to stop counting. You got to stop counting how many times I have to forgive you. Because if you're counting how many times I've forgiven you, you're not really forgiving anybody. That's, that's not really how this works. And so Peter, or Jesus, just to draw this point even, even more home, this is what he says. He's going to tell a story to, to really drive this point home. In verse 23, here's the story. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was, was brought to him. Now, I, I understand that you don't have any bags of gold. You probably don't have any bags of gold lying around your house, I should say. And, um, and, and you probably kind of miss what this means, but this, this term bags of gold has been translated from the original Greek. And, and, the, and the idea of bags of gold in the original text here is, is like a really technical term. Bags of gold sounds like it's loose. Like, I don't know how much is in that bag. It's just, it's just full. Is it a full bag of gold? Is it a half bag of gold? I don't know. But in the Greek, there's a really technical term. And it, and it meant uh, the equivalent of, of a day laborer's uh, work for 15 years. So like a normal job for 15 years. That's how much this is in each bag of gold. And this man owed 10,000 of those bags. So do the math. We're talking millions of dollars. Okay, we keep reading here. Verse uh Next verse says, since, since he was not able to pay, obviously, the master ordered that he and his wife and children, all they had, be sold to repay the debt. Well, at this, the servant fell on his knees. Before him, he said, be patient with me, he begged, and I'll, be, I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him. Listen to this. He canceled the debt and let him go. Remember that first assumption? You stand in need of God's forgiveness because you have a debt that you can never repay. And what the Lord does is he cancels your debt. This gift of forgiveness, this is what this is. We keep reading here though, verse 28 says, but when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Again, this is technical language and it equals in our today's dollars around 12,000. So not insignificant, but not millions. And so he, he grabbed him, this, this man who owes him about $12,000, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant went, or I'm sorry, his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and they went and told their master everything that had happened. And when the master called the servant in, he said, you, you wicked servant, he said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And then Jesus wraps it up and he says, this, 
This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So two assumptions here. One, that you stand in need of God's forgiveness. And two, that you stand in need of forgiving others. And Jesus ties these two assumptions together that they are closely and directly related, that you can't separate one without the other. One of the most helpful ways I've come across to think about this, this relationship between how I need to receive forgiveness and also give forgiveness is to think about breathing. Every day, we breathe in God's forgiveness. We breathe in His mercy, His grace. We receive this into our life. But you know what happens if you just take a deep breath and you hold it? If you don't exhale that out, if you just hold it into yourself, well, you suffocate. You have to exhale. In order to take in more forgiveness, you have to exhale. In order to inhale more, and you have to to continue to do this. You can't just do this once in your life and hold on to that breath for as long as you can. You have to breathe this in in order to breathe this out. This is how forgiveness works. It's like taking these deep breaths of God's forgiveness, and you can't just hold this into yourself. You have to release this. You have to give this to others. You have to exhale this forgiveness onto other people in your life. And I'll be honest, I've done this work long enough that I know that there are some of us who have inhaled God's forgiveness. We've received this into our life, but we've just held our breath afterwards. And there are some of us who have been trespassed against that we have held on to that trespass. We've held on to how that person sinned against us from years ago. We've held on to what happened decades ago. We've held on to that hurt. We've held on to those words. We've held on to that brokenness and we haven't let that go. We've breathed in God's forgiveness for ourselves, but then we're just like holding our breath and we haven't released this to others. And now we're just, we're just stuck. Because this is what happens when you receive God's forgiveness, but you don't offer this to others. You just, you just end up stuck. And I, I think this is why when you hear these stories of like extreme forgiveness, why they're so inspiring to us. You know, these stories where like there's a violent crime and the, and the victim's family forgives the offender. Or I think about the story from, I don't know, probably 10 years ago where the, the shooting in the Amish community and then the community forgave the shooter. And it's like, you hear those kinds of stories and you think to yourself, oh my goodness, how could anyone possibly forgive when that kind of thing has happened to them? And we think that because, because there are people in our life that we haven't forgiven for far less. Like we've breathed in God's forgiveness and we've held it to ourselves, and we're suffocating ourselves because we haven't given this to others. Forgiveness is this breath of breathing in and it's breathing out. It's this thing where you constantly need to be breathing in and constantly need to be breathing out. You breathe in in order to come out, in in order to go out, out in order to come in. And, and, and if you want to keep receiving God's forgiveness, you have to exhale in order to have room to receive more. And so we hear these stories of extreme forgiveness and we're so we're so inspired by them because they're so unlike us. Or, or I think about the story of the, the young Jewish preacher who came into Jerusalem one Passover. And as he came into Jerusalem on that Passover day to celebrate that Passover meal, I should say that the crowds gathered around him and they started to cheer for him and celebrate him. And, 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 and they began to, to shout his praises and, and, and they were cutting down palm branches to lay on the ground in order to celebrate him. And then just a few days later, those same crowds were yelling to crucify him. I think about this young Jewish preacher who had to carry his cross up this hill and eventually he was nailed to it and had this crown of thorns placed on his head. And as he lay hung, dying on that cross, with one of the final things he said, he said to this, simply, Father, forgive them. 
They don't know what they're doing. Like the one who teaches forgiveness, he understands forgiveness, and he understands that you have to give forgiveness as well. Like the, the way of Jesus as he teaches us is the way he lived, and, and, and this is what he invites us to, this is what he encourages us to, because he knows that we need to receive forgiveness and that we have to give forgiveness. It's, it's not one or the other, it's, it's both are directly tied together. And, and, and the reason it's tied together is because as you exhale God's forgiveness on others, you, you open up more room in your life to receive this to yourself, to inhale more of God's forgiveness. And as you inhale more of God's forgiveness, there's no way that you can receive God's grace and mercy in your life and not be changed by that. You can't receive God's mercy in your life and, and not want to share that with other people. You, you can't receive that and, and not want to share it. Like the math just doesn't work. I think, I think about what what happened one night when Jesus was, was at dinner and, and, he, and he had this moment, he explains this very, very well. It's Luke chapter seven. In Luke chapter seven, Jesus uh, tells this, 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 exact, this exact thing about how, about how our, our lives change when we receive the mercy of God. Jesus shows up at dinner at a dinner party and it gets real awkward real fast, but this is how the dinner party goes. This is Luke chapter seven. It says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. It's a nice evening. Everyone's gathered there. It's a nice dinner party. And then everything gets awkward real, real fast. Uh, the next verse says, A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she, was, and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. And I guess the host that evening is like, oh my goodness, I can't believe she showed up. I'm so sorry for this. Uh, I, she's my neighbor. She just showed up. I wish we, we, you know, maybe she just came through the door. I wish we could just shut that door, but, you know, that hasn't been invented yet. We don't have locks, and I just wish she, was, she wasn't here. And just how embarrassing is this? Because this woman is there. All the guests, I'm sure, are just like looking down. No one make eye contact. There's a strange uninvited guest weeping at the table behind Jesus <laughs> But actually, here's how it goes. Verse 39 says, When the Pharisee um, who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were such a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And then Jesus answered him. I love his answer. Just listen to what he says here. He says, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50 Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and, and you did not give me any water for my feet, which is a, cust a custom to wash your feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You do not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet, a common custom to greet people with a kiss. You do not put oil on my head, another common custom, but, but she has perf uh, poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever, listen to what he says here, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Let's read that line one more time. Whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Like your life when you've experienced God's grace and his mercy and his forgiveness in your life, your, your life will change. You, you can't receive this in your life and, and not have it change. You, you can't receive the forgiveness of God and, and, and be the same. Like the math just doesn't work. And so Jesus has this assumption. Every single day, every day, you need to receive God's forgiveness. And every day, you need to forgive others. 
And these two things are tied directly together. And so we ask this question, you know, what does this line, forgive us our debts, what does this line teach us about, about how to pray? Well, it teaches us to pray with that assumption that every single day we need to stand in need of God's forgiveness. And every single day we're going to stand in need of forgiving others in our lives. And so let's get practical here because I, I don't want us to just have ideas about prayer. I want us to have some tools that we can use to grow in this. And so last week I gave you a way of thinking about the Lord's Prayer that, again, I have found so helpful in my life. So if you were with us last week, let's go over this real quick. If you weren't with us, here's how this goes. Um, about 500 years ago, this little way of praying the Lord's Prayer was taught by Martin Luther, who was the, the leader, really, of the Protestant Reformation. And, and Luther taught that when it comes to the Lord's Prayer, one of the things that you should do is you, you shouldn't just say the words over and over and over again, which sometimes is how Christians pray the Lord's Prayer. It's not just that you say these words, but rather you want to take the ideas of this prayer and just rephrase them. Say, say them in a different kind of way. And so we have this line here today. Forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors. And so Martin Luther would say, okay, so how, how would you rephrase this in a way that would, that would address these kinds of assumptions that are being made here? And you might think to yourself, okay, so the first part is forgive us our debts. And so, you know, on a, on a daily kind of basis, you want to be asking yourself this, these questions of, you know, what do I need to be forgiven of? And there are going to be some days where it's incredibly clear. You know exactly what you need to be forgiven of. You've lost your temper with people. You've judged people. You've gossiped. There's there's all kinds of things you put in front of your eyes. There's things that you where you've gone you shouldn't have. There's all kinds of clear places where you stand in need of God's forgiveness. And, And and what we do as Christians is we don't just hold on to that. We don't just walk around like those things don't matter. No, we bring them before the Lord. We confess them. We're open with them, and we ask Him to forgive us this gift of forgiveness that he gives us every single day. We, we do this on a daily basis because we know we stand in need of God's forgiveness. But then there's a second part of that prayer as well, that we forgive those who've trespassed against us, those who have debts against us. And um, I'll be honest, this phrase of the Lord's Prayer, when I started to pray through this on a regular basis, uh, by four or five years ago, this was life-changing for me. Because I started to, to name things in my life on a daily basis that I needed to forgive. People, things that were said to me, things that happened, and things that I, I normally wouldn't have thought about. Because again, just like with, with our own sins, there are some sins that have happened to us that are obvious. We know them, we don't need to, I mean, we, they're right in front of us. And uh, there are certain people that we have not getting, gotten past the sin of, we've not released that, that forgiveness to them, and we know exactly who they are. They're big things that have happened to us in our life, and we don't have to rehash those because we know what we're talking about. But what I found was when I, when I started to hang on to this idea of, of every day, there are people in my life that I need to forgive, this almost became like preventative medicine for me. Because I started to reflect on a, on a daily basis, who are the people who you know, said a cutting remark to me? Who are the people who maybe they didn't follow through on what they said they were going to do? Who are the people who were not, were not thoughtful? These aren't big things. These aren't big things that are going to haunt me for years. But, but these are the kinds of things that if you don't pay attention to them over time, they might be really small, but then they grow bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And, bigger. and, and over time, you find that you have all kinds of resentment towards that person. And so as you start to pay attention to this, though, you realize that when these things are small, that's the time to deal with it. That's the time to offer this forgiveness to others. Just as I need to receive God's forgiveness, I need to offer this to other people before they become big. These people who have offended me in ways they don't even know they've offended me, that's when I need to to deal with this this forgiveness. So Jesus teaches us to pray. 
for our own forgiveness, to pray for the forgiveness of others. And he teaches us to do this not, not once, but every single day that we might receive God's forgiveness. And so for you today, it, it may be that there are some specific things in your life that you need to confess to the Lord. You need to ask him for your forgiveness. You need to ask him for his mercy. You need to ask him that he might, might offer you this, this gift of forgiveness to you. And, and the good news is that every day God's mercy is new. I'm so thankful for that because I know that in my life, I miss the mark every day and I need to ask his mercy for his forgiveness every day. But also in your life today, it might be that you need to exhale some forgiveness on others. And it might be very clear who those people are, but it might be that there's been some small things that have been growing over time. And you need to reflect on those and offer that forgiveness to others because just as you breathe in God's forgiveness for yourself and take a lung full of that air, you need to give that to others as well. Because this forgiveness that you need and this forgiveness that you give, they are directly tied together. So today, as we, as we close, we're gonna pray that prayer that Jesus taught. And as we pray this, my hope for you is that you receive the forgiveness that the Lord needs you to have, and that you also offer this forgiveness to others. Let's pray together. So our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Come now, fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy praise. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise mine Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus saw me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious Thy grace, Lord, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to Thee. 
Thanks everybody for being in worship. Thanks for being with us. Thanks to the team also. Thanks to Stephanie for keeping us connected. For the worship team, David and KJ for leading us. For Spencer with the awesome message on forgiveness. And who in our lives needs forgiveness? Let's share this message with others. Give them hope and encouragement. It's been a pleasure being your host today. I can't wait. We can't wait to see you next week.